like the moment I found out I won, I actually did a radio interview like 90 seconds later. And the first question they asked was like, what's next? What are you going to run for next? And I was like, are you joking? Like I just, I, I'm like, this was my whole life's ambition. And, we, and here we are. My name is Savante Myrick, and I'm the mayor of the city of Ithaca. I actually don't think that was the day that everything changed. I think the day I took office was what changed the most. You know, a campaign is so fast moving. There's people swirling around you all the time, your staff, your interns. And then you get sworn in and you come upstairs into the office and you close the door and you're all alone. And there's nobody to give you assignments, nobody to tell you what to do. Um, it's just you. You're tuned to listener supported WRFI. This is Africa. This ain't New York City, man. Cities are laboratories of democracy. You know, I think the most egalitarian piece of infrastructure in an American city, the most underrated piece of infrastructure, is a sidewalk. I think one of the most pervasive problems in American cities is cynicism, a belief that the city can't be improved, a concern, a fear that engagement won't matter. I feel like cities like us have a responsibility to be nimble, to take chances. I really enjoy how concrete my work is. Potholes. Mostly potholes. That's what people want to talk about. I am lucky in that way that I have just thousands of people constantly telling me how I can do a better job. That is a boon when I'm well caffeinated. And when I'm not well caffeinated, that can be pretty annoying. So the key is to make regular stops to Gimme or to Press Bay. What does a normal day look like in the life of a mayor? You know, my normal day starts pretty early. I'm up uh, when the sun comes up and I read a lot, local news, national news, international news. I hang out with my girlfriend, hang out with my puppy, and then uh, walk and pick up coffee in Press Bay Alley and I'm in City Hall 10 minutes after I leave the house. And then from there, it's chaos. Starting really at 9 a.m., I'm in a series of meetings with some arrangement of the 500 employees who work for the city the 10 common council members who legislate for the city, or one of the 30,000 residents, business owners, seniors, students, young people who wanna meet with me to talk about how the city's going and see what they can do to improve it. I'm a middle child, so the fact that anybody recognizes me still is like a, a blessing, especially when somebody asks me to speak. I'm like, using my voice, I can talk out loud now? And being raised in such a small town, you know, I don't think I've ever really had anonymity. Everybody always knew who you were and what you were doing. Plus, I think it, it really is a, a double-edged sword. If I go out to dinner and people interrupt my dinner to talk to me about potholes, I get annoyed. But if I were to go out to dinner and nobody talked to me at all, I'd be annoyed too. So you can't win. I came from a very small town, 800 people in my village, Earlville. I used to joke that my house was the black neighborhood. We were living uh, sometimes on the street, sometimes in homeless shelters. M me, my two brothers, my sister, and my mom. My father was struggling with a substance abuse disorder. She took us to be raised in part with uh, my grandparents. And that experience showed me 
what's both best about our government and our culture and uh, the worst parts of our government culture, what could be done to help save more kids like me. So I was always interested in both government and culture, and I thought I would be a journalist. So I came to school, I came to Cornell to study communication. I wanted to be like Nicholas Kristof and, you know, write stories that would change the world and change the way government functioned. And uh, I found that I was both not a good enough writer for that and far too impatient. You know, I started going to city council meetings to advocate for the learning web and for reach the social service programs that I worked in and really just fell in with the wrong crowd. My junior year encouraged me to run for the city council. So I was 20 and I uh, won that race for a four-year term. And council was fascinating. I loved it. I wanted to spend more time in city hall. You know, the meetings would be five hours and I would be disappointed that we had to leave. One day when I was 23, three years into my term, I was particularly well caffeinated. And uh, I threw my hat over that fence and said, you know, I want to try. So I quit my job and I'd saved enough money to get me to December. I figured by that point I'll either be the mayor or I can move back in with my mom. <laughs> so I thought it was a safe bet. I had a friend who was three years younger than me. She was 20 at the time, George Dedun. And uh, he passed away, he died at 20 years old. And I went to his funeral in Brooklyn and um, you know, I was in a sort of a tough spot. It was that kind of post-college, what am I doing? Why am I on the city council losing all my votes nine to one? I feel like we're not making progress. Am I just wasting my time? And I think I knew then what I wanted to do. I thought I knew I wanted to lead the council, to lead the city, to mean as much to the city as it had to me, to give back to this place that I loved. But I was like, I'm too young. And it was George's priest who said his 20 years, although short, was enough time because he hadn't wasted a second of it doing anything he didn't want to do. Everything he did was intentional, was filled with purpose. I think that was the moment I knew, well, even if I lose, it will be intentional and it'll be a purposeful campaign. So I decided to go for it. I have to confess that I'm luckier than most mayors because I'm the mayor of Ithaca. This is a very special place not only to live in, but a special place to lead. Um, I wouldn't doubt the fact that we are the most educated city in the world. We have more advanced degrees and more degrees per person than anywhere in the world. And we're the most caffeinated. I don't think that's an accident either. We're a city that's accustomed to being around young people, to being pushed by their energy, that's used to uh, um, dealing with these idealistic young people who want to do things like, you know, give women the right to vote 100 years ago. If you go back and look at old Ithaca Journal articles, it'll crack you up about, you know, the stodgy natives saying, what are all these whippersnappers agitating for on the campus? They need to just calm down. Or saying that we need to get out of the wars in Vietnam and Cambodia or the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan and, you know, pushing for civil rights in the 60s and 70s. I think this is a community that's used to being urged along by young people. Um, and I think it's a community that looks after its own. 
you know, that really adapted me like it's adapted so many other people who've come here from all over the world and said, um, we welcome you and we'll make a place for you and we care about your voice. Yeah, I actually just met the mayor of Memphis and he said, oh yeah, Ithaca, Ithaca used to have a young mayor. What happened to that guy? Did you, did you beat him or did he leave town or what? And I was like, no, you're looking at it. This is what happened to him. I think, um, you know, there's a confidence that comes with youth, you know, a confidence that you know more than you do. Um, and that confidence can be so useful in government and politics, you know. This idea that you can take on the world because you don't know how scary it is. You know, you don't know how daunting, how uh, exhausting a campaign can be, so you throw yourself headlong into it. I think I'm also, you know, more worried now than I was then about the state of the world, you know. I just have less confidence than I used to that the grown-ups were going to do the right thing. I think uh, I had a firmer belief that things were going to be fine if we just focused at home. I find now that we all need to be national political actors, all of us, and we all have to decide how we're going to turn this country around because um, the grown-ups don't have it. They haven't taken care of it, you know, and we're the grown-ups now, so we've got to do it. I love doing this job in Ithaca. You know, I, there have been plenty of moments where being mayor is not so much fun. There's times when, you know, something will go wrong. And you think to yourself, well, geez, who would want to sit in the middle of this, right? Who would sign up for this? But on those days, this community is what reminds me why I'm here. I mean, I, I can go outside and I can talk to the friends and family I have here who, who've always surrounded me and always held me, you know? And I could walk up the Cascadilla Gorge Trail be reminded that the tens of thousands of years it took to carve these gorges, um, you know, that I should do my part in the hundred years or so that I'll have. Uh, it's, um, I don't know, it's the best job I've ever had. It's the best job I can imagine. And uh, I hope I'll, I can do it as long as they let me. to This is Ithaca, a podcast about community and the people who build it, on WRFI Watkins Glen Ithaca and online at www.thisithaca.org.